I like the sound. 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 A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. A ragbag podcast. Here's a question. What's your preferred method of attracting a person's attention? It's one of those social situations that often requires the use of a noise rather than a word. Saying excuse me might seem like the polite thing to do, but sometimes an excuse me can have the opposite effect and come off kind of rude. You have to get the tone of voice right. Excuse me is fine, but excuse me comes off as rather aggressive. So rather than risk using the wrong tone of voice, a lot of us opt for a noise like or or a whistle. That can be taken the wrong way too. You whistle for a dog. Don't whistle at people. Unless you're a referee. I wonder if professional referees do that from time to time, if they want to attract a person's attention, momentarily forgetting that they're not at work at the moment. And instead of a polite excuse me, they go I'm a big fan of the word er in this scenario. Works like a charm. Again, you have to get the tone right. You can't just say er. You have to say er. You know, say the word er, but with authority. And then there's the more quirky little noises we make to attract the attention of a room full of people. Tapping a teaspoon against a wine glass. Where did that little tradition come from, I wonder? It's become a universal signal to be quiet and listen to the speech that's about to start. It's the perfect sound for attracting a crowd's attention. It diverts the listener towards it without being annoying or intrusive. It's a nice little sound. I'm tempted to start carrying a teaspoon and a wine glass around with me in case I need them. The wine glass is rather a delicate item though. I couldn't just stick it in my bag, I'd have to hold it in my hand. And that would look weird, a guy carrying an empty wine glass around. So. I suppose I'd have to just keep it topped up with a dash of Prosecco or something, you know, in case I need to attract someone's attention, not for, you know, not for any other reason. The Prosecco is a bonus in all of this, right? It has to be said, though, there are times when a teaspoon on a wine glass doesn't quite work. It happened to me once. There was a guy I used to see from time to time. You can tell this happened a while ago because he worked behind the counter at Blockbusters. Whenever I rented a film, we'd have a little chat. Nothing meaningful, just small talk, really. Sometimes we'd discuss what movies we'd seen recently. He was more of a film buff than me. He'd recommend stuff that I never got round to watching. I wouldn't necessarily have called him a friend, which was why it took me by surprise when he asked me to be best man at his wedding. I said, really? Me? I stopped myself, adding, you don't have any other friends? I didn't want to insult the guy. Maybe he didn't have any other friends. He seemed confident enough, but I don't know. Maybe he just spent all of his time watching movies and didn't have time to socialise. Or maybe he had tons of friends, but they all happened to be female. I'd heard of straight couples mixing things up and going for a female best man, but maybe he was more of a traditionalist. My mind was wandering all over the place. I realised I had to give him an answer, so I said, Yes, yes, of course I'll be your best man. Maybe you should tell me a bit more about yourself, so I can work on the speech. I didn't even know the guy's name, which was slightly awkward. Luckily, it had been hiding in plain sight throughout the entirety of our brief friendship. He had a name badge on his t-shirt. Turns out, he was also called Frank. 
Maybe that's why he asked me. Maybe you just like the name. The big day rolled around. The ceremony was very nice, good turnout. As it happened, he did have plenty of friends, both male and female. He obviously just thought I was the best of the bunch, which was flattering, I guess. They all seemed a bit socially awkward, though. Difficult to engage in conversation, evasive eye contact. Maybe Frank's friends all had a fear of public speaking. I guess that was it. They loosened up after a few drinks, though. When it was time for the speeches, there was such a loud, echoing rush of conversation in the room that when I held up my wine glass and tapped it with my teaspoon, no one heard me. I needed something a little louder. I reached across and snatched an empty pint glass from a nearby table and tapped on it with a dessert spoon. Still no response. The roar of conversations continued unabated. I popped to the bar and helped myself to a large water jug. I took it back to the head table and tapped on it with a carving knife. Still, no heads turned in my direction. In a moment of madness, I grabbed an enormous glass vase from a windowsill, slapped it down onto the table in front of me and hammered it with a ladle. the vase shattered all over the floor. Luckily, no one noticed. A waiter came to clear up the mess. I said, Excuse me, mate, I seem to be having a lot of trouble attracting the attention of the room. I was supposed to start my speech ten minutes ago. The waiter gestured to something on the opposite side of the table. Something I hadn't noticed yet. A microphone. He smiled. I smiled back. I thanked him. I picked up the microphone, tapped it a couple of times to test it was working, and in a loud, clear, authoritative voice, I said, Uh... Now that story I just told you, that was my way of prefacing the theme of this episode. We're going to be talking about the words um and ah and er and other such noises in the company of regular correspondents Chris Christodoulou and Steph Fuccio. Before we hear from them, I'd like to tell you about a little side project of mine, which I like to call the um files. Um, 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 and, uh, um, the um files is this uh, yeah. thing that you're listening to right now every uh, podcast editor uh, knows um, these noises uh, only uh, too well um, part of know. the craft of editing an interview involves removing <laughs> unnecessary utterances that um, hold up the conversation uh, uh, most editors um, simply delete them but I prefer um, to put them to good use. Uh, I've created uh, the um files um, as a document for um, all of the ums um, and ers um, and ahs um, that had nowhere else um, to go. I've stitched them all together to create um, something new. Um, I'd like to think um, it sounds rather nice. Um, um, I told Chris Christodoulo all about this hobby of mine. Here's his reaction. Um, 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 oh my God, that's that's really brilliant actually, because I mean, Whenever I do like a, a a video for especially for YouTube and stuff, I'm, I have so many of those like mm, yeah and uh, and and I I try to cut them out. I 
And if somebody like pays re really pays attention to a video I'm making, they will see that for the first 10 minutes there's no ums and then they start to like popping up because I get bored of cutting them out. And, <laughs> and at the end it's just like just me talking randomly. But that's a brilliant resource. Like this is a great, this is a great uh, sound library of ums. I remember one time we were, when we were with, I, I used to have a band like back in like early 2000 when I came to Athens for studies. Um, here's one. <laughs> uh, but um, we were going to a studio to record, to rehearse. And the guy that was there always told us that his dream was to make an album, like a, a collect a CD or, you know, something that is just people laughing. And he would bring people to the studio and ask them to, you know, start laughing. Just take their take your time and just eventually start laughing and make a compilation. And I, I always thought it was such a fascinating idea to have that because you I don't think that anybody would be able to listen to it and not burst into laughing, you know, because it's just it's addictive in a sense. After all, if if you start hearing people laughing in the first maybe like one or two minutes, you will feel like what the hell is going on? And but then eventually it would just be like, you know, it'd just be absurd, and then you would start laughing too. I always thought that that I would do it myself and beat him to it and steal his idea, but I haven't gotten around doing it yet. And I guess now it's kind of free for all. And anybody who wants to do it, they can do it now if you put it up. <laughs> uh, um, 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 um. Let's hear um, from Steph um, Fuccio. I've created an audio file. I've called it the, the um files. <laughs> and um, I've been doing this for quite a while. Um, whenever I take the word um or the word are or whatever out of an interview, I stick it in this audio file. And mm -hmm. uh, I've got all these ums in a random order. And all these different, all these different voices saying these different versions of the same sort of sound. Um, 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 um. So I've created this, <laughs> this whole audio project called the Um Files. Yeah. And um, if you say um while we're talking, you'll, you'll end up on there yourself. <laughs> um. uh, but also I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> at some point, this project will be finished and I'll, I'll put it on the I Like The Sound podcast and say it, there you go. Here's, the, here's all the previous guests saying the word um. Love it. Here's, here's what you didn't hear the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's challenging. I wish I had done that. Had I, had I known how many people would use so many filler words when I started podcasting, I think I would have made more of a conscious effort to take out a lot of the stumbles and the ums and the, and the meaningful ums. Cause it's, I, I bet you the ones you have, some of them are packed with actual meaning and emotion and some of them are throwaways, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do try and keep the meaningful ones in. If, if, mm -hmm. if you ask somebody a question and they're carefully considering it and they're going, mm -hmm. um, well, I, I'll keep that in because it shows that they're thinking about what they're talking about. Whereas exactly. if, if, they, if they're just kind of pausing and just going, um, I'll take that arm out because that is just holding things up. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's different types of, um, and if you take all the ums out, then it's it becomes a little bit too clean as well. It becomes uh, you, you take away some of the naturalness from the of the conversation. 
Exactly. It starts to sound not like a natural conversation, but like exactly. a, a heavily sort of edited thing. Yeah, it does. Like I was using one of the tools that one of the AI tools that takes them all out. And I found that like I would do that first and then I would go in and sometimes I'd have to add more space where there was an um. And then it still didn't quite transition well. So I actually stopped using the tool. I loved how many it took out because the vast majority of them were throwaway ones. And that really helped with my mouse and my wrist and all that kind of like repetitive motion. But the ones that did take out that were meaningful, I, I had to like create something else there. So it transitioned better because there was, it was too fast. It would just go straight from the end of a sentence into a, a deep part of the next sentence without that thinky moment like you were talking about so yeah well I, di I didn't realize uh, before I started getting involved with podcast editing and stuff like that mm -hmm. I had no idea quite how many times people say the word um in conversation because yeah. <laughs> you don't notice it when you're just having a normal conversation with somebody you just don't notice it because yeah. it's it's just uh, part of life but uh, when you're kind of trying to create kind of an audio thing which is by its nature it's kind of artificial you're kind of chopping bits out of the conversation and editing it and you realize how many times people say the word um it's uh with some people it's it's just all the time it's so interesting because that the probably the most interesting thing from using that software that i did for a couple of months to to remove the filler words is that I was amazed because it would count how many, like it would take out ums, ahs, us, like all of the, the usual ones, right? For a half hour podcast episode, sometimes it would get up to 150 or 200 filler words that it removed. And I was floored to see it quantified each time. It would, it would become like a game. Okay, I'm going to listen to a minute of this episode. And I'm going to guess how many it'll take out. And then I'd run it through and just watch the number go up, 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 up. <laughs> I was just so amazed because when you just listen to it casually, I think we tune them out so much that we don't notice them necessarily. So I never would have guessed those amounts. Why do we say the words um and ah and er so much? There are competing theories. Here's an article from ABC News that sheds some light on the subject. Herbert Clark of Stanford University and Jean Foxtree of the University of California at Santa Cruz have spent years listening to recordings of spontaneous conversations and speech to analyse the role of ums and ahs in language. And unlike previous linguists, they've concluded these so-called disfluencies and discourse markers represent something more than clumsy speakers having trouble expressing themselves they also serve a role for listeners. People use these phrases in a very particular, deliberate way, says Clark. If we anticipate a delay in our speech, we choose the appropriate sound to signal this for listener. These phrases mean, I need to make sure you realise I'm delaying because I'm having trouble. By signalling a delay is coming, a speaker avoids a silent gap in conversation that might otherwise prove confusing to a listener. When we talk, we have to do two things, says Clark. We have to pay attention to the content of what we're saying and also keep track of the interaction of two people talking. Phrases like um and uh and you know play an important role in language, he argues, by serving as a speaker's conversation managers in the human interaction aspect of conversation. 
That idea runs counter to the thinking of Noam Chomsky, the renowned linguist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, who argued in the mid-1960s that such phrases are simply errors in applying knowledge of language in actual performance. Chomsky didn't consider um and er part of proper language, and he influenced a generation of linguists to exclude such phrases from linguistic theory. Yeah, well, in your face, Noam Chomsky. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, man. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment for a long time. You, I knew you were going to slip up one day. You appear to have been consistently right about everything for a vast number of decades now. And it's been getting on my nerves. And I will be frank with you. I am relishing this opportunity to rub this right in your face, my good friend. In your face, Chomsky. <laughs> the article continues. Clark and Foxtree are working to change that tide by proving these phrases play specific roles in conversation. Their analyses show that the um sound almost always sets up a long delay in speech, while the sound er uh, signals only a brief pause. Speakers also extend the vowels of words for the same effect. When people have trouble finishing a sentence, for example, they're more likely to extend the vowel in the to sound like the as they search for the next word. Occasionally becoming stuck mid-sentence is natural, argues Clark, considering that people speak 120 to 150 words per minute, or 2 to 2.5 words per second, during normal conversation. At that rate, it's only natural to experience a few stops and starts. Studies show that disfluencies make up an average of 6% to 10% of spontaneous speech, and all languages have them. The French say e and m, Spanish speakers say e and poe, and Japanese say eto and ano, to name a few. Foxtree is also tuning into English phrases such as, you know, I mean, oh, and like. Her early studies suggest that they're often uttered to adjust the meaning or structure of a sentence as it's being spoken. For example, when a person says, I need to pick up orange juice and milk today, oh, and geez, the oh suggests new information is being added that actually belonged earlier in the sentence. When someone said, she would be a good runner, I mean swimmer, the phrase, I mean, is used to adjust or correct something that was said earlier. She says she's still a little stumped by the use of like in speech, since it's used in so many different ways. But, she argues, that doesn't mean it isn't legitimate. Um, 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 and, uh, um, you know, um, I, um, I, my... But, uh, I... Um, 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 uh, yeah, and, and, uh, 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 um, and, uh, um, you know, um, 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 and, um, which, uh, at least be, uh, uh, um, 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 I like the sound was written, presented and produced by myself, Frank Burton. I'm the author of several books, which you should definitely investigate as soon as possible. 
Many thanks to this week's guests. Have a look at stephfuccio.com for more information about Steph's work. She runs the Geopats podcast network, which features a whole bunch of high-quality and very interesting shows. Also, follow the links to Chris Christodoulou's music. It is wonderful stuff. For more information about me and my work, please visit frankburton.co.uk. My other podcast is called Ragbag Presents. Also available is the four-part podcast series I made with David Ivar, celebrating 20 years of the band Herman Dune. It's called Not On Top, and it's wonderful. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ragbag Presents. Get in touch. Let us know what you like the sound of. I will see you soon. In your face, Chomsky. Ha, ha, ha.